Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. My guest today is an internationally recognized producer and entertainment executive who has produced and presented some of the world's best musical and theatrical productions, live entertainment experiences, and of course, concert attractions. His name is Michael Castle. And Michael is the founder and director of Michael Castle Group. And before COVID-19 put everything on hold, they were producing three of the biggest shows on stage, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child in Melbourne, a global tour of The Lion King musical that was halted between Hong Kong and Wuhan, and the blockbuster musical Hamilton, which was in pre-production in Sydney. Michael has an incredible story from being a young kid, obsessed with drama, who wrote letters to people like Ray Martin and Alan Jones wanting to work together, to putting on and running his first Carols by Candlelight concert for 3,000 people, hosted by celebrities at just 15 years of age to being mentored by the incredible Harry Miller and then running Disney in Australia. To say he's a force to be reckoned with is an understatement and he's only 39 years of age. Now, obviously, COVID has put a halt to all stage shows this year and because of the sheer scale and cost of the productions, they need to run at theatre capacity in order for their shows to be financially viable. So, they're waiting for the time when gatherings of 1,500 people and more are going to be permitted again. But Michael is optimistic and confident that staying focused on the future being flexible and ready to adapt, and uniting as an industry will ensure that stage shows are back up and running in the near future. I'm going to ask Michael about how he's worked with industry and government on advocacy to get arts and entertainment support during this period, and how he's working to ensure buoyant business will return to stage shows, so that when a new normal returns, they'll have great shows ready to put on for us to enjoy. So let's get into it. Michael Castle, welcome to The Mentor. Thank you for having me. Now, this is a, I mean, you've got a really interesting business and you've got great experience within the business. I mean, you do some great shows. But before we talk about that, I just want to sort of get a sense of who you are. Like, uh, I have no experience in theatre as such. I mean, I have a little bit of experience in television. But I guess that's a bit of theatre. I mean, everything we do every day is theatre. But you're in the real, real deal, the real theatre. So I, I had this sort of imagination of someone like you when you're um, – five or six years of age, um, either doing a Punch and Judy show, you know, with your brother or your sister or the kid next door and trying to entertain the whole street. I mean, can you take me back? I mean, what, what's the deal? What, what, how do these things – I mean, I, I, I mean I, I'm a serious perv on why people end up where they are and I have this sort of feeling that it starts off from a really young age. Either the parents encourage them or they don't encourage them but you just got this hankering to be this guy. Can you go back? Do you, do you remember? Go back to the beginning. What, what were you well, like? Well, I think if you if you called my uh, two brothers and my sister and actually my whole extended family, they would tell you, yeah, there were shows going on from a young age. So that was it. So yeah, I'm that right. Was it. You were absolutely right. So like, okay, cool. So can you remember back that far and what you well, – I can remember can some go? of the – I think probably the earliest memory I have, I was probably five or six, and we had a – we grew up uh, in Minamara, which is just down the south coast near Kayama. And we had a spare block of land uh, next door to mum and dad's. And I used to ask dad to build me a stage. So he'd get some milk crates and then he had these long planks of wood. We'd build the stage and then I'd put a show on there. And, you know, first I started putting on the show for mum and dad, but either they weren't paying enough money for their tickets or they were over it and I wanted a bigger audience. So I started inviting the neighbours around. So, you know, I was always putting on shows and, um, you know, when we, I was eight, we did a, a caravan trip up to uh, Brisbane for the Expo 88 
and I was, I think, so inspired by all of the entertainment that was going on in the in in Expo that we went back to the caravan park, and I decided to put on a concert at the uh, caravan park. I think I, you know, seconded some of the other kids that were staying there, and certainly, you know, my poor brothers and sister were always having to be a part of it. And we put on a show at the caravan park. So I was always putting on shows. That so, was always so were, were you the actor or were you the producer? Well, look, or the I, director? Think, I think at the time I was sort of wearing many hats. Um, and unfortunately for the people that were attending those shows, I think I was singing and, you know, carrying on and trying to you know, be the presenter. But I think in hindsight, what I really loved and obviously what I you know, am good at is pulling it together. And certainly I think coercing other people to be a part of these shows, uh, sometimes much to their regret, certainly at that age. Um, but I just loved it. I loved I loved that whole environment of putting on a show. I loved entertaining. But that's what I want to – yeah, I, let's just stop there for a second because that's what I want to know. Did you and do you well, – let's go back. Did you um, get a thrill out of getting a clap off people or a smile from people or a, a, a you know, pat on the shoulders or, or was it – did you like to stand back and look at people smiling what was it that thrilled you about a putting on the show, or was it being in in the guts of the theatre itself, like being part of the theatre of it all? In other words, part of the illusion. I think it's being part of the illusion. I think being part of the putting this story, putting a show together, choosing the music. I love kind of building stuff in the theatre, um, and I think for me back then, as it is now, kind of coming up with with a story to tell. And working with people, you know, certainly now I get to do it professionally. Back then it was about, you know, brother Matthew, you go and sing this song and James, you'll go and play the drums for this. And, you know, my sister Haley, you go and do this dance. So that's what I was doing early on. And But I also loved the, I think I loved the showmanship, quite honestly, of, you know, convincing the neighbours or the aunties and the uncles to come along and, you know, hand over your money and this concert's going to be 20 cents and this one's now a dollar and we've raised prices and now it's $2. I think I just, I liked all of that. I liked, you know, handwriting the programs, you know, getting pieces of paper together, scribbling all the, you know, biographies and the credits together and then sending it off with dad to go get photocopied at his office and, you know, putting the concert on and selling the programs for 20 cents on the weekend. I just liked building all of that. You just said a really interesting word, showmanship. And is showmanship a consequence of theatre or is it the theatre itself? Um, in other words, does it exist on its own? Yeah. You know, like um, you're just a showman. I mean, is that something that gets applauded and uh, recognised as such? Or is it just one of the elements of the whole theatre? In other words, it needs showmanship, it needs talent, it needs music, it needs atmosphere, it needs lights. Where, where does it sit? I, personally, I, mean, I think it's one of the ingredients that you need for yeah. theatre. But it's I one of the ones that, you loved. It's Yeah, it's what I love. And, and I you think, feel good at it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And I think for me, I, you know, when I first realised, oh, there's actually a proper producer, you know, when I was putting those concerts on, I didn't know that there was a producer. I just thought I was, you know, pulling it together. It was only, I was 12 when I realised that, oh, there's actually a job called a producer and this person, that's their job, pulling all of these people together, hiring a cast and getting a creative team. And what I, my realisation then was this person actually has involvement in all of the different areas that go to to put on these shows and that's what really appealed to me because I liked kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of, of all of these different elements I you know loved music I loved playing the piano I liked at that time I liked performing I liked you know dealing with the finances albeit you know a dollar fifty to come to one of my concerts back then I just loved all of those pieces and then so having the realization that okay, there's actually a job that does that. It's actually a legitimate role in the theatre. That's when I was sort of sold and thought, okay, that's the role I want to be. That's what I want to be. But how did you sort of, I mean, like my next door neighbours was Rhonda and Michelle Birchmore growing up, okay? Oh, wow. And another 100 metres up the road was a guy called Kim Reader who was end up in the German Royal Ballet. And across the road from him was a girl called Amanda Clark um, who was in the Australian Royal Ballet. So I was surrounded in this street. Yeah, quite a street. Totally. And I was a, I used to play, I did piano at school. And I, did it, I did it right through the HSC. And uh, I used to have to go to a Stepford's, but I was the worst showman in the world. Like I used to be, I absolutely be terrified about sitting up there and playing at a Stepford's. But my mum got me to it because everyone else, those other people who were her friends, their kids were doing a Stepford's like every week, like literally every week, ballet, jazz, whatever. But I used to have to get dragged. They used to come and watch me, but I used to have to get dragged along and watch them. And uh, to me, I, I found it like I, I didn't didn't do too much for me because to me it was scary what they were doing. 
but they were natural show people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I used to always wonder to myself, where do they get this from? Where does it come from? And I used to, even growing up, even when I was old, 15, 16, I used to look at their parents. The parents weren't like that either. They're just like your average Joes in the suburbs. Where did it come from for you? Like, was it your mum and dad? Or, I mean, uh, how really, has he become this person? I don't know. I think. Um, well, I don't I know really how Rhonda became the person. Like, I mean, how was it? She was born that way. Like, yeah. um, but were you born? Is it like yeah, look, nature I, as I, opposed I think to nurture? That's, I, no, I think it was like this sort of, you know, in my DNA, uh, you know, mum's a real estate agent, dad was a builder and then, you know, um, worked for the government. But it was, they're not, they're not show business people. They're not musical, went into entertainment. But, you know, it was just some, it was something I always loved. I, you know, wanted to play the piano. I wanted a piano from a young age. I wanted to learn. Well, I learned because um, I was forced to, not forced to, but my mother wanted me to be a pianist, but I didn't want to be. I, like, I mean, I had no interest. It's funny that you wanted to be. Yeah. And uh, no one was really, I mean, did they encourage you? They did. Yeah, I, certainly, yeah. you know, they didn't stop me. You know, we used to, I think one of the maybe the um, inspiring uh, things that we had at home was watching Young Talent Time. You know, we used to gather yeah. as a family. I used to love that show. I used so to love the show. that, you know, everything in our house would stop and we would all sit down, all six of us, and watch Young Talent Time. And, you know, back then we had the VHS recorder, so we used to record it and then, you know, we'd watch that episode, you know, over and over again until, you know, the following week. So, you know, there was, there was that in our house, but that was it. You know, we weren't seeing shows, you know, we weren't watching musicals or anything. So you weren't getting dragged to um, the theatre because your no. parents weren't in the theatre. So you no, weren't later dragged. on they did. So, you know, when they realised that, oh, this is a passion and interest of, you know, mine and, and you know, we shared it with my with my brothers and my sister. You know, we'd go and see shows, but certainly not early on. What about at school? Was it was it something you did at school? Did you do drama at school or something like that? Or In high school I did. Yeah. Uh, while I was in primary school, you know, we had a very musical school. I, you know, we had choir and did show, like, productions. And, was there a teacher at school like that. that sort of got you into it? Or was there it was d- a teacher, I think, sort of my most influential teacher, certainly in primary school, wasn't until sort of uh, year five and six. We, we had a deputy principal come and join us. Uh, Mrs. Maud, and she really promoted my love of musicals and and singing at that time. And, you know, she dialed up a lot of the musical activity at the school, and I love that. It was brilliant. And, you know, we did Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat in year six, and I got to play the role of Pharaoh, and so it meant I got an encore, and I just thought that was the best thing. Um, but, yeah, that was, you know, I think certainly the whole school nurtured kind of musical performance and choir and all of that. and you Because know. in those days, I mean, I don't know about what happens today, but, I mean, in those days, I'm an old with you, but in, if you go back 20, 30 years, schools put on concerts and a Steffords, et cetera, at the end of the year, and it was always the mm. students that participated in it. And you just made me think of something. Um, my late mother used to run the school at Stefford, and um, I must have been a massive disappointment to her because uh, when I think about it, because uh, – I used to play um, my piece in my latter years at school was The Hungarian Rhapsody mm-hmm. and my best mate at school um, used to get up and th- sing Lover's Concerto and uh, which you know, how, or, or How Gentle Is the Rain, you know, mm-hmm. like and uh, it was a great song but uh, he had a much, he's got a much different voice now than he had in those <laughs> days. But my mum, I used to, I, I didn't resent it, I didn't regret it. I just thought I don't want to do this, um, play in front of the whole school. But in some respects, my mother's trying to produce me to become you, <laughs> which she never got. Um, she would love to have a son like you, I guess, because in in hindsight, she must have loved the theatre of it all herself and the and the applause and just entertaining people, making people feel happy. Yeah, that's what I love. I mean, you know, now fast forward to today, you know, I talk about that with our team. Our you know, job is to sort of bring entertainment and joy to people. There is nothing better, current, you know, environment accepted, of standing in the back of well, a theater, current environment for sure. Uh, and and just watching people react and react to a performance. And then what I love watching, my favorite part is usually watching an audience stream out and have those conversations like, Did you see this? or Oh, I love that song, or wasn't that performance great? That that makes me feel incredibly good. And I think a lot of the people who work in the theater, that's why we do it for, is to get that reaction and I, there's there's nothing better than seeing a full house of, of people having a reaction to something that you've played a small role in. I mean, I often talk about the, the concept of participants and observers and, um, you know, you're one or the other in life, I think, and it's hard to become the other if you're the, the first one. So what I mean by a participant is that's someone who actually gets up on the stage and does the, the entertainment and is participating with the audience, in other words, engaging with them. But then there's the observer, there's people like me who I like to sit back into the audience and watch I like to watch the show. So I'm as much a part of the theatre as the other person, but I, I want to be on this side. I mean, you're, from my sense, you're the participant. You're, you're whilst you might be producing show, you are every part of the production. You are the show. I mean, 
you know, you're you're saying do this, do that, do this. You're not sitting back and just sort of soaking no, it up. No, it's not a passive. Certainly not a passive role, and that's what I love. You know, one minute you can be talking about, okay, what's the merchandise range? The next minute you're casting the show, you're talking about marketing, occasionally you're talking about tax and international, you know, uh, freighting. It's, I mean, the whole gamut, but I love that. I love the, you know, having one conversation one minute and then something polar opposite the next. Uh, there's so many pieces and layers, and I love the artistry and the artistic side and, and what it takes to deliver a great show. But I also love the commercial side. I love digging into the numbers. Does it stack up financially? What does the you know forecast? What do they look like? How are we going to fund it? How are we going to fund it? You know, all of, all of those. Who layers. are my investors? Exactly. Today, I mean, like going back to when you were 12, but today, what would you say to me is the thing that actually kept you encouraged from the age of 12? What is the thing that kept you encouraged to stay in this game? Like, you know, because sometimes we go, I'm over that now. I've, I've done that. I'm going to get on to something else. Why did you stay in this game, like right through to become a career? I think, look, I think certainly passion. I mean, I just love it. But I think there's... It, what is it though? I mean, what business are you in? What What are you doing? I mean, We're in the business of entertaining, of bringing joy to people. Bringing That's joy. what it is. Yeah. Absolutely. So you get, you sort of get off on people go, oh, wow, that was good. Or smiling. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So when you stand, well, I don't know where you stand, but like, I guess when there's a, say, a theatre on and it, it's a, it's a, a live show and, uh, I mean, you're in some spot. Where do you stand? The back of the stage? Stand, stand usually at the back of the stores. Yep. So you can sort of see the audience reaction. So what are you looking for? I'm just, I, you know, nine times out of ten, I'm watching the performance and, yeah, right. and watching the, the cast. So I, I love standing at the back of the stores and, and, you know, seeing the show as the audience are experiencing it. And I love kind of looking out at the sea of people and seeing how they're reacting and when are they clapping or when are they kind of, you know, doing that elbow to you see know, that? their guests. Yeah, did you pick that up? I also love then going and, you know, if I once or twice a week, I'll go and stand at the side of stage and just watch the the production that's happening behind the scenes. So watching what, you know, the performers from the wings and they're delivering the show, but actually then seeing the crew and the dresses and the, you know, the cast run off and do their quick changes. I mean, that in itself is a whole army of kind of well-coordinated choreography that's happening there. And again, for me, it's just, it's the whole puzzle. It's how all of these pieces come together and it's not just what's on stage. It's what goes on behind the scenes. It's what's front of house. It's, all of the big banners and the marketing and everything else that's led to, you know, bringing those 2,000 or so people into a theatre. I love just thinking about how that all comes together and, and playing a part and sort of knowing as the producer what led to all of those decisions and how all those people came to be. Can you, I mean, t today, I mean, I often talk about this, but we live in a world of um, instant gratification in all the social mediums, but the most effective ones, the people who are best at using these various mediums in their business are the ones who can tell a story and create theatre on that medium. Otherwise, it's boring. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, the mediums are got to be, to me, they've got to be the two E's, educational and entertaining, if it's a business you're trying to promote. I mean, the education and entertainment is about the story. There's a story to be told, but there's got to be theatre around it. You can't just stand there and go, and my story is I did blah, 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 and one day I was inspired to do this, and I'd been it's got to be theatre around it. I agree. Why is theatre important to me? as a consumer of social media and or as a consumer of live theatre like that you produce. Why is theatre so important to us? I think it's a connection. It's the storytelling. I think, you know, we've been telling stories since the beginning of time. You know, that's we've all evolved telling stories. And I think whether you're telling a story through a medium of television, through social media and indeed in a theatre, that's what we as human beings connect to. And I think it's I think it's a primal need for us as individuals to connect with others through storytelling. And I think there's no better storytelling for us than actually going and being there in that live experience, connecting with people who are telling stories there in our front of our very eyes. And that's why I think, you know, despite a lot of disruption, a lot across a lot of different mediums that share stories, I think theatre is always going to be preserved because nothing can ever take away that live relationship that performers have with an audience. And it's not just the relationship between performers and audiences, it's the relationships that the audiences have with one another. You know, you're going in with with your your friends or your family or whoever you're going to the theatre with, but you're also connecting with other people you've never met before. And you're sharing a laugh, you're sharing an applause, you're sharing a tear. And I think that is really special. And I think we as human beings need that. And I think, again, looking at what we've been experiencing in 2020, I think a lot of us are yearning for that. And so I, I'm 
of the view that as soon as things return to normal, live entertainment and those experiences are going to skyrocket because we've been desperate for that all year and now we'll finally be able to go in and have that experience again. That's a very interesting point you make, especially about the demand for this. I was having a conversation with someone this morning and um, she was talking to me about uh, somebody who's putting on a live stream, a talk, and she said to me that they're charging 90 bucks to participate, so you you got to buy a $90 ticket. And um, I was thinking to myself, you know, I think you could sell maybe a 1,000 seats at $90 per ticket if you went to, say, Star City Casino today. Obviously, you're not allowed to do that, but if you could, it's not the same as live streaming. But the reason we go to a live event, we'll pay 90 bucks, is because it is an event. I'm going to something. I'm actually getting in my car or getting on the train, getting on the bus, whatever, walking to. I'm turning up to a place and there's people around me. Now, I might not even meet anybody. I might be just meet, be there with the people that I'm there with. I've gone with them, uh, but I still am there with people. It's like a, a okay. gathering yeah. and there's something that – and I'm prepared to pay for that. It could be exactly the same content. I mean, I did a, like a tour where I talked about, you know, being business. I mean, there's, no, there's probably no more boring topic in the world. Um, and, you know, I went to Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. I went to the – I was at the bigger venues. I had 5,000 people there. They, they paid on average – I don't know, 100 bucks a ticket. Some people pay 300 bucks a ticket. If I try to do that today, live streaming through one of the mediums, you know, whatever it happens to be, I'll be like, you get 100 people. And the reason for it is that I could do exactly the same content. Yeah. And it's me, same person. The, the, the thing I was seeing about this morning, the difference is actually being in the company of people. Theatre is not just about the storytelling. It's not just about the production, how well it's produced, all that sort of stuff. It's not just about, nor is it about the the talent, not just about the talent, but it's about actually being people being there, able to absolutely go. Absolutely agree. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely agree. And for me, it's also about actually someone sitting right next to me. I might not know that person. a stranger. Yeah, I, I, 100%. It's not about having two seats. For, I mean, I'll go, but it's not the same experience if there's, a, if there's a spare seat, then there's a person. No. And, you know, this is actually, I mean, that's a good point. It's been a discussion, again, that we've been having a lot over the past seven months, uh, talking about social distancing and can, you know, theatres work with, you know, removing every second Social distancing and, is a penalty. It, well, it's, it doesn't certainly doesn't work in uh, theatre because, you, again, you, you know, while it may kind of provide that distance, you need for good theatre and good storytelling and, again, for that audience connection, as you outlined, you need to be sitting close. You need 100%. to be rubbing shoulders to somebody. Theatre is about inclusiveness, being it together. Being together socially. Yeah. And that actually means rubbing shoulders with people. Yeah. That sure means does. we're sharing the story, the atmosphere, we're sharing everything, you know, the, and uh, it is about that stuff. Yeah. And I think people want that back. Yeah, that's what we're all craving. You know, you want to go and get back together as a family with friends and go and experience these stories and be with other people. You know, I think that's what we've all realised we, we need greatly and that we're missing desperately this year. I didn't realise how extraordinarily powerful an event is could be the football, because that's theatre. Sure is. Um, it could be going to an event live, actual live theatre like that you produce. Can't reproduce that on television. Like yeah. television does not replace theatre. No, I agree. They're totally different businesses. And I, I think that's why, I mean, again, there's been some tremendous um, progress with live theatre that's being streamed. And it's great and it's filmed well and you, you get a sense of the story and the music but you're actually missing that element that can never be replaced no matter how hard streaming or any other um, format may try. And that's that being there live, being there in the moment, watching these stories. And again, that connectedness, both with the company and, and with the audience. I actually want to break down a little because you know, I mean, your experience in theatre is unrivaled. You've produced some great shows. You've had interactions with great people in the theatre, great talent. Um, you've experienced all the big audiences You've sort of pretty much done it all. I mean, you've been hit by COVID. I actually want to break down why theatre is important to us beyond storytelling, you know, and sort of the word that sort of comes to mind is connectivity, you know, connecting with people. Today we're being driven to connect through digital mediums and it's a big deal and it's actually become, uh, it's nearly overtaking our lives, uh, digital connectivity. It's like the two words go together. And I want to talk about what you have done too, what, you know, I want to go through what you have achieved in your business and why it's so important for us to reconnect in this way. But we'll go to the break and we'll come straight back.
Okay, I'm back from the break. I'm here with Michael Castle. Can you just explain to me what the Michael Castle Group actually does? I mean, what are some of the things you were working on pre-COVID, for example? Yeah, pre-COVID, we had Harry Potter and the Cursed Child running down in Melbourne. We had an international tour of The Lion King running around the world. It was uh, meant to be opening in Wuhan back in February. Yeah, can I just say, one of my sons, I only found out the other day, and he's got it in his profile, he's 30, uh, what, what's your favourite song? Hakuna Matata. I, I can't Good believe song. from, yeah, from, it means from no Lion King. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. But I, I, mean, I got a shock. But uh, sorry, go on. Uh, and we were in pre-production for Hamilton, which we're uh, bringing to Sydney next year and working on a number of other productions that were coming through. But, you know, as soon as COVID hit, uh, well, before COVID hit in Australia, we had closed down Lion King because it just wasn't possible to certainly play that show in Wuhan uh, from February. And we decided to cancel the remaining year of the tour. Was it due to come here? Uh, no, it wasn't coming to Australia. It was uh, meant to be in Wuhan and uh, Beijing this year and then heading over to Mumbai and Abu Dhabi at the end of the year. So we've just, we've sort of cleared 2020 and the plan is now we'll restart that uh, in May next Were year. Were you in, in Wuhan building it? No, no, I wasn't in Wuhan. We were about to. We were two weeks away from getting on a plane and huh. all arriving there. So, Do you know anyone who got COVID? I, I do. I, I got it. You got it? I got it. Um, I got it here in Australia, though. You got it here? Yeah, yeah. I got it back in March. Wow. You, you're, you're an early, early adopter. Early adopter, yeah. Yeah, look out. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a cool. a surprise. <laughs> so your business effectively just stopped. It did. You know, we were at 13th of March will go down as the date that we just literally turned off the lights. We had Ooh, had... Gee, that's only two days from the Ides of March. I mean, Shakespeare uh, would have been happy. Yeah, you, uh, beware the Ides of March. <laughs> we had, you know, we had already, uh, the team um, and I had been dealing with Lion King and that was a bit of a shock because, you know, that show, we've been touring that for the past two and a half years and had tremendous success where it had been playing. And so we were just ready for another great year of that tour. So to to shut that down really took us by surprise. You know, certainly we had just opened the show in Hong Kong uh, in December. We'd played a three-week engagement in an arena there and then our company were getting ready to go to, to, to China. So to, to be doing that in the first four weeks of January, that was a bit of a surprise. It wasn't certainly how our year had it was meant to have been starting out. And then to fast forward to March, we had celebrated on the 1st of March our one-year anniversary of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And that had been tremendous. We had sold out. 325,000 people had come through the theatre doors. Huge success. And we you know, had a bit of a well-deserved celebration. To be doing that on the 1st of March and then two weeks later, literally to have the theatre dark, that that was devastating. And, you know, those... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Weeks around that time in March where we were trying to determine, okay, what does this mean? Are we closed for weeks? Are we closed for months? What's the, you know, what's the future look like? And trying to make those decisions and, and plan for the future while protecting our team, all of our staff at, at the show and, and at the office. That was incredibly Complex. So how does it work? Tell me this, let's say um, Lion King in Wuhan or in Hong Kong, then plan for Wuhan. 
is it Australian cast or is it like do you have to pick a cast from China? Or, I mean, has no. It so for for Lion King, we've sort of established this international tour, and so the plan is that will be you know that show will go to a lot of markets around the world. So we've been focusing primarily on Asia the past two years. Uh, next year, the original plan was that we'd be going down to South America and then later to South Africa, maybe to Russia and, you know, New Zealand and, and, and all around. So with that company, we've actually cast people and the, the crew as well from all around the world. There's a lot of Australians uh, in the cast and, and uh, working backstage in the crew, but we have people from Mexico, from Brazil, from, from England, from the US. It's a real international melting pot of people. So they've all, when we closed the show in January, they've all gone home to their respective cities and we've obviously been keeping in touch with them and, and looking after them the best we can. But certainly they're not eligible for something like a job keeper no. or any benefits. So, you know, it's been really important to us both for their well-being but also because you know, we want to get that show back up and running as soon as we're allowed. Well, how do you look after the well-being? I mean, like these people are all over the world. I mean, it's a whole new skill that maybe you've never thought you ever have to sort of develop. But how do you keep people like that happy? I think, you know, what, what has been difficult for everybody, ourselves included, is you have so much interaction with these people. And you, know, you think about the, the touring company, the cast and crew and the musicians. They're living with each other every day. Mm. They've all transplanted themselves from their home. They're living in these foreign environments. So they become a family. Mm. And they're, they're seeing each other. They're in the theatre a lot. They're in rehearsals, you know. They, it's it's a deep, deep connection and relationship that these people build in in the theatre. So to all of a sudden be separated from that, to not be doing what you love, having no kind of opportunity to 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 go and share your talents, and then to have all of those you know relationships removed from you, it's been very difficult for everybody. And so what we've wanted to do is really ensure that we keep everybody together and talking and communicating as much as possible. And being creative people, our, our cast and our crew, they've cooked up some great ways of, of keeping everybody entertained and together and communicating. We've obviously been writing to everybody. We've done lots of Zoom calls with everybody just really to say, how's everyone doing? And here's, you know, here's what I'm up to and what are you up to? That's been really lovely because we've not been able to do that in the theatre. Because, I mean, lots of, a lot of people listening just think, I mean, like my own business, for example, I, I've got people spread around Australia. I mean, and I've, I've actually found it quite difficult to keep connecting with everybody. I mean, I've used all the usual sort of connection platforms like Zoom, et cetera. But how do you, I mean, do you have a, a schedule? Do you sort of say, every, hey, every Monday I'm going to talk to everybody in, you know, Latin America or wherever it is about who comes from the cast of um, Lion King and I'm going to get them all to do a rehearsal on online. I mean, I mean, what, what, so Lion King's been a bit different. Lion King, I mean, my WhatsApp just continually pings because yep. we found WhatsApp, given all of the time zones, is so the you best do way. One, one big community. One, on there's one big group and yep. the messages keep going and people are posting videos of what they're cooking and chatting and birth. I feel like we've, every day there's a birthday in the Lion King company. So yep. that's a means for everybody to interact. So we've been, a, it, we've relied less on the other forms of Zoom, which we've used a lot in, in the other companies to keep everybody connected. For Harry Potter down in Melbourne, we've got, you know, just on 100 people that are, are stood down down there. They've been doing readings with our director, our associate director, Naomi Which Edwards. means what? So they, they've been getting the script and just going through it yeah. over Zoom. Yeah. And so they're basically performing for themselves, but yeah. it's a way of them being able to, you know, keep fresh with the material and connect with others. We've uh, launched a Cursed Child newsletter. So the company are creating their own sort of weekly bulletin which is shared and we're all contributing to that be it recipes or photos of families or here's what i did on the weekend uh and then our own team we've got a staff of 30 here in sydney we had to stand down seven people just because the the shows weren't running and early on you know i wanted to make sure that we were keeping everybody together because you know that was a hard thing to as with all businesses a hard thing to to do that to people who were working so closely with and what i didn't want to do was do a, a zoom or a call and each week and just say how are you doing because yeah. i thought that's going to get monotonous and so we decided to uh ramp up every couple of months we'd do a, a fireside chat we would have a great person come in outside of the world of theater and come in enlighten us, educate us, entertain us about whatever. And so we decided as when COVID hit back in April and, and we all knew sort of the, the path we were on, we ramped that up to a, a weekly session. And so it was a great opportunity for the whole company to come together. We could all say, How's, how are you going? 
but it, the focus wasn't on we're all stuck at home. We were able to go and engage with these great people and that's been really wonderful feedback from the team because we were able to stay united, we were able to see each other, ensure that everybody's well and, and happy and smiling, uh, but actually take the focus away from us and, and be inspired during these kind of crazy times. And you sort of, to some extent, become closer, but you can become like everybody's psychologist because you're always out there trying to assess, is that person okay? Or you're relying on somebody else to tell you that that person is or isn't okay. And you can actually overdo it. Um, you've got to be careful it doesn't become patronising, but at the same time, and also you've got to be sensitive to their sensitivities it's a pretty difficult... It's a delicate balance. Yeah, and, I totally. think, and obviously everybody deals with things in a different way and, and expresses what they're feeling or in not. a different way. Or not. Yeah. Absolutely. Because some people in theatre are absolutely hopeless in terms of one-on-one. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Great they're, with... They're and, on the stage. And, and great with a part. You know, yeah. they're happy to play any other character. They can perform. themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, know, and, and how do you and get around that? I mean, what, I mean do, you, do you sort of... Do you, do you actually sit down? Because, I mean, a lot of people listening to this are sort of saying, yeah, I've got a business distributor across the country or indeed across the world, I wouldn't mind knowing how to implement these sorts of strategies around protecting, because you're basically trying to protect your business by protecting the people in your business, because that's your inventory. I mean, sure, the story and the license for Lion King, whatever it is, those licenses are important assets in your business, but really the big assets to your business is how you execute on that. That's the people, the people execute it. Absolutely. It's not the stage itself. No, I mean, I mean we have no business if we don't have people. Yeah. So you're trying to protect those assets. Absolutely. Um, and lots of people in that. I mean, my business, we lend money, but really my assets are the people who go out and talk to you about lending you the money. So I'm trying to protect that too. I mean, I'm always curious as to how other people are actually doing that um, without at the same time, as I said, not look like you're being patronising, how do you work out the balance? I mean, well, I think uh, we've tried to sort of implement a whole lot of different layers in terms of how we communicate and how we engage with everybody. We also have quite a broad management team. So, you know, we've got myself, there's our head of production, there's our associate producer on the ground, there's our company manager, our creative team, resident director, resident movement director, etc. So I think between us all, we've all banded together to make sure that we're engaging in different ways with all of our, all of our team. And I think that's the only way we can do it. Keep having the conversations, keep being accessible. I think, you know, that's what pre-COVID, you know, sort of prided myself on that we're hands-on, you know, we're, we're hands-on producers. We don't just sort of sit and forget. And I think that's really important because, you know, to, to your point, it's about the people. If our people aren't well looked after and if our people aren't invested, then no matter how great the show is, the audience isn't going to have that great experience because you can feel that you can feel that energy. And so, the people who are on stage and behind the scenes have always been at the forefront of what we do. And we've just made sure we've dialed that up the best we can during this period when we can't actually be in the room with them, when I can't go and see them side of stage, go do the dressing room rounds to give us the opportunities to have the conversations. And some people might not want to have the conversations with us, but I never want anybody who we work with to say they actually, they weren't accessible. I couldn't speak to Michael. I couldn't call him, you know, and so we've just tried as, as best we can to be accessible and engaged and at the the front footed without doing the are you okay speech every day and we do that but that, that can but, be a punish too yeah and you know for and, everybody listening and and also if if you're not you know that also might not be the conversation that you need to have and so we've tried to make sure that we are allowing ourselves the opportunity for people to go you know what I'm struggling and this is hard in the way that they can, the best way they can express themselves. How do you keep for yourself that sense of hope that this is going to come back? The hope that this will come back because it's something I love doing. Yeah. And then how do you then parlay that to all the people who are your performers, that sense of hope that sooner or later this will come back? What do you say to them or do for them? Or how do you keep that hope I think up? it's, I mean, for me, it's just about focusing on the future. You know, I'm, but how do you I do think, that? Yeah, I mean, well, how you have do you be so an positive? optimist. You have to well, be. Well, look and how I, positive you are. It's amazing. Like, uh, or, you, or you may be going to tell me, look, I do have my moments. Look, I think I certainly when this all happened and when everything came crushing down, it was like, what the hell is going well, mate, on? That's exactly and what how I How do I deal with this? And the whole world's crumbling. And, you know, for me, you know, I was worried because every, you know, for the past seven years, everything I've done has been to build this company and, and the shows 100%. and the people. And I thought, wow, in one fleeting moment, it's all over. Yep. And, you know, not only the sacrifices like family and, and our life, but also you know, all of those people who invested in coming and working for the Michael Castle Group. Mm. That's our staff. That's all of the cast. And I just thought, how do I fix this? Yeah. And so there was a moment of going, okay, this is all just over. How long did that last? Do you mind telling me? Um, 
Well, actually, I think the best thing, uh, this is awful, but uh, being an optimist, I think the best thing that happened was that the COVID knocked me out for a bit. Yeah, yeah. And so while everything was crumbling, I kind of got everything to shut down the shows and we sort of worked out what we were doing. And then I was just out for the count. You're unconscious and I think, for a month. Yeah, kind yeah. of. But I actually think that was a good thing because it didn't allow me to stew on it so much. And then I think with in getting better and sort of getting the energy back, I thought, okay, well, we just have to solve this because, you know, I'm going to go down fighting and I'm not going to let this stupid bloody COVID destroy so Did you make that great. decision though? Did you sit and say, certainly, yeah, mentally, this, yeah, this like, is not going to get me? No, we're not going to do this and we're going to, we, you know, we're successful and no matter when we come back, we're going to still be here. So that belief sort of leads to the hope. I mean, it's, first, I think it's belief in yourself. Yeah. You know, I can do this. Well, I can fix this. I can keep everybody together. And I know that eventually, I mean, and I, I guess you, you, that's just a sense of optimism. You're going to say, well, I believe in myself and my team. I believe in what we do. Um, you understand the connection between or well, the importance of theatre or connectivity more so than ever before. If you overlay that with optimism, you can develop hope. And I think for me, there was, so at the end of um, coming out of the COVID, you know, we'd made the decision you know, a few days after that of, okay, how, how did it impact our staff? And, you know, we made the decision that there's going to have to be some roles that we have to stand down. And so I had the one-on-one meetings with everybody over Zoom and shared the news. And that, that was the most horrific day I've ever experienced professionally mm-hmm. and the hardest conversations. And at the end of the day, we brought everybody together because I wanted to share everybody en masse what was going on and what it meant because, you know, everybody knew we could see it. We'd already experienced with liking. Everybody knew that that had just turned off and then everybody knew, of course, what it meant with with Potter closing and, and shows not being able to run. And so I just spoke to the team and said, look, here's, here's what we're doing and we're going to be here. We're going to find a, a way to, to, to get through this, but we've got exceptional people and, you know, we're not going to just shut the doors. And the outpouring of support and belief and just trust from that team made me quite um, emotional because I thought, okay, it's sort of the realization that all of these people are invested in the business and they're invested in me and they're invested in each other. And that's the reason we're going to have to get through this. And that I think for me was the rally to go, okay, button up, we're going to work it out. And and with everybody, I mean, we've got an incredible team and everybody is sort of like, okay, we're going to war now. And we're going to fix this. And that's what we've done the past six months. We haven't been able to open our shows, but we've spent a lot of time developing new ideas and going and pursuing some of our creative development ideas, which we have a lot more time to be doing right now. We've gone and secured an investment deal, which we'd started uh, negotiating pre-COVID. So it's been productive. And you know what we're all ready to do is as soon as it's okay to do so and to open those theatre doors we're going to be bloody busy. And I keep teasing the team. I said, you know, get ready for 2021 and 2022 because we're going to go slaughter it because we've got all of these pent up ideas and energy. And that's what we've been sort of biding our time uh, with during the, the COVID period. And I'm tremendously excited about that. Well, there, there's also, I mean, a pent up demand for your product or just to have that theatrical experience. I Absolutely. Mean, that's being the product. I mean, I guess everybody has to get on board with that. But what do you do? I mean, how do you keep your hopes up? Because it's it's all very well for you to say what you just said, but it's a minute-by-minute minute thing. You, this this ebbs and flows every minute of the day, 24 hours a day for me, seven days a week. Some days you're up, some days you're down. It's like watching the share market go up and down. Like, yeah. you know, I and I obsess over it. What do you do well, the, as a leader of your business? As a leader of the business, truly is focus on the future. I'm excited about what the future is. And so, and I'm convinced this isn't going to last forever. We're going to get, as you say, we're going to get over this. There will be a way and we'll all do it together. And that's what's, that's what keeps me going. But I've also just been working. I've really, you know, I love working. Immerse I, yourself in work. Yeah. And I do, I, you know, between that and the family, I, we've had the best time as a family and this experience has, has been great for us as a family. I've been home. I've not been traveling. You know, I've been at dinner and I'm there for breakfast. That's been great. Um, and when I told my son the other week that I'm going to start spending more time in the office, he's like, Dad, I don't want you to go. It's, you know, you have to stay at home. I'm like, no, well, I have to get to work. But yeah, my know, dog's that, like that. My dog's having mental oh, problems because my, um, I'm spending all the time with my dog all the time. And now I know it's <laughs> I've started going to work more often and he doesn't like it. Oh, uh, my dog's, yeah. Uh, well, I'll send He's him depressed. Yes, yeah, as is mine. He's become a big sook. Um, but yeah, I honestly just immerse in work because that's what you love. And I think because we're sort of living it and thinking about the future, that's what's keeping me going. You know, we've just put 
during this time, we've put Hamilton on sale, we're making cast offers. So it feels like we're in the normal day-to-day of our business. Even though we don't have a show on, there's that ment- the momentum and the excitement of, of building a show, and that's certainly keeping sounds us like going. sounds like to me you're creating the theatre and illusion for yourself. Maybe. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it works, but like, uh, it sounds like you know, because you're you're doing all those things you would otherwise be doing if you were actually producing a show tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. And that's sort of an illusion. Sort of just keeps you on the treadmill. Well, like, I think maybe an illusion because we we are on the treadmill, but we have to keep doing that because no, no, it works, at, the works. End, at the end of COVID and when we can't, uh, you know, my whole you'll thing be ready. Is, we're, we're ready yeah. because if we stop, and the most dangerous thing for our business is if we stop, yeah. and we just you know we could have made a decision certainly to reduce the staff right down and just say, okay, we're putting the brakes on everything, we're not spending. But that means that when we are ready to go, you know, these typically in the theatre, they're 18-month lead times for these productions. And so if we were to stop now, then we're going to be way behind because not only do we have the the impact of, of this year and on our shows, we'll be, you know, two years later of being able to get these shows on their feet. So it's like my sort of comment to the team has been accelerated down. Like, let's just go hard. And so we're ready to, you know, pick things back up as soon as we're allowed to do so. We're all going to be looking to people like you to put back on what, what it is we need to engage in to make us, you know, that little bit of that little moment of, um, well, that little hour or two hours of um, escapism, storytelling, yeah. watching, listening, participating, um, observing, um, you know, hanging out. Well, my realization for that was last month. So, we put Hamilton on sale. And prior to doing that, I was yeah, I was nervous because I thought, okay, we're going down the path. The show opens in March. I'm an optimist. We're going to be ready to go and we'll have people back in the theatres. But there was a thought in my mind, which you know I discussed out loud, going, are we doing the right thing? Are we compromising this great show by putting it on sale in the time of COVID? Are our audience is distracted. Are they not going to sort of take that leap of faith with us? And you know, will it just sort of fall apart? We put the show on sale because I, ultimately I thought we have to keep charging for. Is this in Sydney? In Sydney. Yep. And we were overwhelmed. I mean, it was the biggest on sale for a musical ever in Australia. Wow. And for me, the takeaway was the audience are willing to go with us. They're taking that leap of faith that it's going to be okay and that we're only going to take their money if we actually deliver the show and that it's going to be safe to do so. But for me, it was everybody's out there at home waiting to get back to life. And they want to go have these stories and they want to go have that connectivity and they want great entertainment. And so for me, that was the realisation that it's going to be okay as soon as we're allowed to do so. It's funny, you know, uh, we keep getting jammed down our throat. Um, connectivity is all about digital. It's about digital mediums. But they're just mediums. Um, the connectivity is actually people need to connect. We need to connect. I mean, sure, we'll use mediums. That's a default position to, to me at the moment. We'll, we'll use Zoom. We'll use you know, live streaming, all that sort of stuff. We'll use that for the moment because we, we want to be connected, but nothing replaces connectivity, real connectivity, real community, real um, interactions. You want to be able to smell it, feel it, see it. Um, yeah, it, it's sort of like uh, it's in the air, you know, I mean, right. and then theatre is probably the, the, the greatest um, expression of that there is. Any type of theatre I'm talking about. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's the greatest expression of what that is. We've done that for probably millions of years, whether it's, you know, Stonehenge or, you know, what you do today, we need it. And I'm not surprised that um, people sort of gave you that response when you talked about Hamilton in, for March next year. I'm not, I'm not surprised that, I mean, I pre-sold yeah. at record levels. It just doesn't surprise me at all. And we want to all get back to basic things. Absolutely. And the basic things is being part of a community and being entertained and feeling good about it. And doing things together. And hanging Absolutely. out with your, your partner or your mum or your dad or your kid or wherever it is. Um, it's just pretty basic stuff. We're going back to basics. And yeah. someone said to me the other day, what, what do you think is one of the greatest effects of this COVID thing? Well, it's a return to humanity. <laughs> it's like yeah. just humanity things, normal stuff. You know, just I, I appreciate much more basic stuff, more so than I've ever appreciated before. Exactly. I think it's forced everybody to just stop and pause. I mean, that's good. Yeah. Well, I was able to call a colleague who I hadn't spoken to for ages and we had a long chat a couple of weeks ago and she said, you know, we've been working together for so many years and, you know, we've, we're great friends, but, you know, we're so caught up in the, the busyness of, of doing it. We never just stop and have that, what's going on in your world yeah, conversation. But we had the moment and it was like really refreshing. And I thought, well, you know, these are the good things that are coming out of this experience. It's the time with the family, the time with the friends, the connectedness, the, the getting back to basics. Look, I always give her an opportunity to ask me a question. I've been asking you lots of questions. Do you have a question for me? I do. 
So when everything gets back to normal, I'm curious to know what you think the theatre and live entertainment can be doing better to bring people into the theatre and, and to expand the business. You know, there's so much discussion always about how sport is such a focus, you know, particularly here in Australia. What do you think live can, entertainment can be doing better? I would love theatre to start to explain to me or remind me, because I already knew, the importance of storytelling. And storytelling, not just being somebody saying they're telling a story, but storytelling through the talent and through the whole show and, mm. and the experience of theatre. I mean, the, as I just said to myself, and I reminded myself of it before because I haven't been in theatre for a while, but the, the feeling you get is in the smell. I mean, it, being in the theatre, there's yeah. a, you know, just, just you can smell something. And they're all very tactile to me. And um, the tactile nature of theatre and watching people's expressions on the stage. Um, I once had a, a girlfriend or for many, many years – she was an actress and uh, she told me that she was doing a show in Newtown at one of the theatres in Newtown. And so I decided I was going to go and watch. And uh, I had my, I, I was, you know, I was raising my children on my own. I mean, I was divorced and um, my kids were little. And uh, it was unusual for me to go out. And uh, my kids were only young. And I remember had, I thought, oh, I've got to take my phone with me. And of course, I went and sat in the theatre and uh, you just reminded me of this. And I sat, I sat up in the, it was only a small theatre. I sat up in the audience and, um, and you wouldn't believe it, one of my sons rang the phone and my phone was on oh, wow. and I nearly died. You know, like, and uh, and uh, when I came out, um, the talent comes out and sees the people outside like, you know, at the end of the show and uh, I just thought I'll hang around and just let her know I was here and she said, that was, she walked straight up and she said, that you? wasn't your phone. <laughs> and But the, that whole experience of being there, uh, I haven't been to theatre since then. It's a long time. I haven't been to theatre since then and uh, it was a great experience. I really loved it. It was really cool, and uh, coming being out there when the actors come out yeah. and see everybody and talk to their. Well, family. it's also it's that realization that you've just gone and experienced these actors perform these characters. But yeah, also yeah, they're just human beings, just normal just people. You and me. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that story needs to be retold. We need to be reminded of that, and some people have never experienced that, mm. and that somehow I don't know how it works, whether or not it's you guys as a forum you know, all the productions as a forum or some government instrument as a, as a place to tell everybody this is what you should be doing. Not, 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 not don't say please support our theatre industry. And that's not that. Mm, mm. Please come and enjoy our theatre industry and because these are the things we're going to do and get someone up there, you know, someone up there who can actually cut through. Yeah. You know, it could be some famous actor or something like that and just explain, have that conversation, why it's important for us, not for them. Mm as the actors, but for us, what it is in there for me. Yeah. And remind me and or tell me from the beginning, you know, it could be Kate Blanchett saying, this is why we do it, why we want, what we want to give we to you. Feel. It's about sort of creating in their mind the whole story, you know, like what do you get out of going to the theatre, you know, and you're right because people just think it's just about going to the footy or something like that. Yeah. That, that is sort of theatrical but it's sort of not that's – it's not, you know, it's not the same atmosphere. No, it certainly isn't. Well, it just means, Mark, we're going to have to get you into uh, the theatre on 27th of March. That's the plan. I'm coming. You're there. It's been I'm too coming. long. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. 